0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Oil Rip podcast. My host Sam H, and I've got like two boys, two boys of uh, the Oil Country podcast, Kyle and John. Welcome on you two again.
1: Thanks. Thanks for having man. us, man. We're uh, we're stoked to talk to you again. I know Absolutely, it's good. To,
0: yeah, good to uh, get you back on. I know I did a good episode last time we with uh, you, you both. Um, a lot's happened uh, with oilers since then. I think I. We're at the um, we're at before playoffs, but I had you both on, so
1: uh, I think that's right. Yeah, that sounds right.
0: Yeah, so um, you know, so there's uh, plenty, um, plenty of stuff that's happened since then. Um, right. I mean, where to? Uh, I mean, how's everything over there, quick, with uh, in uh, Quebec, where you are?
1: Um, it's it's been pretty good. I mean, I, it's obviously we're still kind of second wave of the pandemic over here. So it's been a little bit, a little bit isolating as well, but I think we're, we're doing all right. I'll let, uh, I'll let Kyle speak for where he's at.
2: Yeah. I don't, I don't think we've been hit as bad as Europe has by the second wave of COVID, um, yet so far, but it, you know, it's been consistently around a thousand cases a day where we are, but, uh, trying to live through it and enjoy life as much as we can, like anybody else and stay mentally happy. But, uh, but yeah, you know, just, just, Training through, man. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah we've been
0: we've been it uh, pretty hard. Where in uh, where I am in uh, Sheffield, we're in ice tier of restrictions in country along with another two other cities. So uh, we're getting it full. <laughs> we're
1: getting it full on. Um, yeah, no, it's it's tough. I mean, especially when those restrictions come down. I mean, like Carl said, I think you've got to just try and do the best you can and what the new normal, I guess yeah as yeah they refer to it so but it can be definitely be tough i mean it's a little bit isolating like i said
0: yeah it is it's uh super tough at the minute especially where i am and in particularly northern england where i am as well so this it's very very tough um well i've not had a I've, I, well it's first time first time i've had you on since playoffs uh could uh, so um I know we had a bit of a disappointment (laughs) in playoffs with particularly that. Uh, Your quick thoughts, you two, on uh, the Chicago series.
1: I mean, for me, I think it's, you know, obviously it was was wildly disappointing as an Oilers fan. Um, I find it tough to pinpoint exactly what went wrong. And it's tough because it's such a small sample size, right? With just four games. But I, I think something that, we probably didn't look enough into is how difficult it is to have that big of a break and then come right back into it you know with some you get one preseason game and and you go right back into play in or playoff hockey so it, it was something that i think our team really just didn't click and they couldn't seem to get it going yeah. whatsoever um from from my perspective I'm, I'm trying not to look too too much into it i mean i'm i'm happy to talk about it but it, it is one of those things that mm. i mean where you look right down the roster and just the people weren't meeting expectations. Like the, the guys just weren't, weren't clicking, you know, had, had bursts of Mm. where Mm. you're like, Oh, okay, this team is, you know, starting to get it together. And, and they started strong in game one with McDavid's early goal. And, you know, then, then Smith has a blunder behind the net. And it seems like, you know, right from there, other than the one game, the, the series was just all, you know, all Chicago for a good chunk of it, um, from my recollection, anyways. And the others just couldn't seem to get anything going for a duration of time. You know, there was little little spurts here and there, but just couldn't seem to get the consistency.
2: Yeah, I mean, I can't disagree with John. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to sound super biased as a losing team in in basically what was a a tournament, right? Like this this playoffs will always have an asterisk on it. Just because of that break there, and and going into it, we didn't want to face Chicago. We knew that they were going to be the toughest team, probably of the play-in round, um, yeah. that any team had to face. Yeah, and uh, and it it showed itself when we went into that. And and if we could have got any other team, or if we would have been first in our division, which we were so close to being, how much different that playoffs probably would have been for us, right? Like, if we had our legs underneath us, had a little bit of communication and chemistry going again, we probably would have figured out our team defense, which was primarily the biggest issue, along with goaltending in that, right? Like, there was there mm-hmm. was numerous of them, like John mentioned, and it's hard to pinpoint, but we played sloppy in our own end, couldn't get it out, and our goaltending wasn't there when we needed it, right? I, I, I don't know. There, there There was things that should have went better for sure but it, i find it hard to hold them completely accountable um considering the circumstances of the situation i still think that the oilers are uh, a good becoming great team that is soon to become a contender and there's a lot of promise in the team still and yeah. i don't think that any fans should necessarily um look at what happened this past spring slash summer as a uh, as as any negative towards the future of this team
0: Yeah, I mean, a couple, I mean, a few things, obviously, you know, he, I mean, the appearance of, um, you know, particularly, uh, there were a few players that had a few, had off, uh, you know, off series or off games. Uh, Yeah. uh, You know, like, Larson wasn't his self, you know, Cass was, you know, given what, you know, physicality we've got on this team. You know, Cass seemed to have... Um, it didn't It didn't go well for quite a few players. Um, and it were a bit off. Um, I would particularly... We, you know, we struggled a bit on right-hand side, particularly with Taves in that series, with, you know, losing, yeah. face, losing face-offs. Um, I mean, I don't want to dwell in <laughs> too much because it's been, it's been a couple of months now. But um, it was just one of those things. It just didn't work it just didn't work out. It 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 just didn't go to play. I think probably Tippet may have over it, uh particularly breaking up that nude dry saddle uh yamamoto line. Yeah. And then only putting then only putting it back together in the last seven minutes of you know game four in third period. So that 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 I mean that's just my quick four takes from it. Um so, I mean, it's not worth, like, really sort of, like, dwell it, you know, because, uh, you know, lots... Um, but, you know, on to uh, next season, when that happens, um, it's one of the things, it's hockey, so, you know, it happens in sport.
1: Yeah, most definitely. And, I mean, I th- I think you bring up a really good point in Cassian because I think he was the one, you know, not the only player by any means, mm. but one of the bigger disappointments just based off of how he had performed in the playoffs previously when you look back to 2017 and his impact, especially on the San Jose series. And, you know, he's one of those emotional leaders that Mm. it's just like you got to get him going and and he's got to get himself going. So I think that was, you know, definitely. Yeah. one of the bigger disappointments that he, he, he was just kind of a shell of himself, but
2: well, especially you know, given the like, new like, contract that he was given to, like that's the expectation yeah. of him, right. Is to be that emotional force. I, I mean, it's the same issue we had with Lucic and I don't want to start comparing Lucic to Cassie by any means, but like, that's what they're supposed to be there for is that emotional driving physical force that gets the rest of the team going. And it just was non-existent this playoffs.
1: I do. I do think when you look at, you know, like you said, Sam. You know, looking at next season whenever, whenever that happens, um, it is something where I I prefer, and I think it's the smart thing to do is look at last season as a whole um, instead of just you know recency bias mm. and looking at those four games and saying, "Wow, this team really needs a substantial shakeup." And I think you need to bring those four games into account, but in the same accord. 70 games through the season, we were, you know, within spitting distance of first place. We Mm -hmm. were fairly comfortably. I mean, I'm not even comfortably, but we were definitively in second place in the, in the division. And I mean, we had a successful season. It it was a disappointing end and, you know, obviously it would have been, it would have been nice to go deeper into the playoffs, but you've got to look forward. And I mean, I think when you look at last season and there's lots of areas to improve on through the Mm -hmm. 70 games, as well as the four playoff rounds or the playoff games, but you know that I st- I still do think that the Oilers are trending in the right direction.
0: Well, yeah. Just to give um, you know a bit of context to uh, particularly regards to scoring, because um, I got this. I've still got my notes from last uh, episode. I did we get? Um, we had a credit. Obviously, credit Mister David Staples on Twitter for you know this. I've uh, been a uh, his great help. <laughs> um, <laughs> We had um, we had number one, number two scorers in NHL. Yeah, Oilers finished 14th in goals four. and Oilers had five guys in the top six there and six to guys in bottom 40. And oh, Josh Archibald scored at a fourth line rate. Um, so I think in probably terms of you know the guys chipping in and you know that's you know that's obviously an improvement. You know it seemed a bit seems a bit top heavy on that. Um, statement absolutely yeah <clears throat> um but yeah but we're gonna uh, we'll, we'll we'll improve on on that um uh i mean i know you guys i don't know if you guys have got anything to say on um drafting dylan holloway in in the first round um you know there's been lots of obvious reviews of that but
1: yeah i think uh, we're we're not we're not draft guys really yeah. but I, I mean, and we kind of, we realize our limitations there, but yeah, I think the biggest thing when I look at the first round of the draft was just that, you know, we had on our list anyways, and we talked to the Oil Knight and mm-hmm. got a lot of our information from him. But, yeah, you know, it was something where really we were hoping for Quinn, Jarvis, or mm. Askarov to slip to us and all those yeah. guys were gone. So, mm. I mean, I, I think there's yeah. some there's some traits that, Holloway really brings that I like, but I'm really curious, uh, you know, his draft plus one year
2: mm. coming
1: up whenever it happens in NCAA is going to be a big tell whether, you know, what player we have there. But I think we added another guy that, um, you know, can, can potentially fill that, uh, that depth mm. center role. And I mean, who knows, maybe he even turns into a top six winger. We've yeah. got that two headed monster of dry settlement, David, but yeah. we we need guys after that, and and you just brought up right, like you've you've got the two highest scorers in the NHL, and and you're still not scoring enough. So especially at five on five, so not that not that Holloway is going to make an impact right away, but I, I think Holland is doing the right things to to add to that depth and add to that pipeline. That's you know yeah. we've seen a lot of guys graduate the last the last couple of years with Jones and Bear and Yamamoto, mm-hmm. so you you need to keep stocking that pipeline with with more guys coming up.
2: I yeah, think it yeah. was definitely good that we took a forward uh, this year because we've definitely focused on defense the past couple in the first round and, uh, and we took, and our we took all are... forwards as well. Yeah. We yeah. Rolled, literally forwards yeah. right yeah. down the draft. Yeah, exactly. And, and the only thing I I'm critiquing the Oilers on is I'm kind of getting sick of drafting out of Alberta only like our top, Two picks are out of the AJHL. I don't necessarily think they're bad picks by any mean, but mm. when I see Dylan Holloway, it's a bit of an off-board pick. When when you know we were talking about Rodan Adam Amarov, who went one pick behind us, Dawson Mercer was uh four, I believe, behind, right? I mean, even Jacob Perot is kind of a name I've heard thrown around before. I've heard Dylan Holloway, right? So uh, I do have some skepticism about the pick, but I got to have faith in Holland and the history he's had in the draft. So, uh, I mean, this is always the thing that you kind of just have to wait and see about. It's nothing that you can, you know, have a guarantee unless you feel like you have a top three pick, which even that we've seen we haven't had success at, right? So, we'll see. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I get. Yeah. I get what you're uh, saying with that. Um, I mean, probably going to, I'm probably going to, we probably all just, uh, Giving your take on, uh, you know, on draft, because uh, I'm not experts on any of these. So it's all, it's <laughs> unlike you
1: guys. Um, yeah. I mean, there's some yeah. guys that de- devote yeah, yeah, so yeah. much time to draft prospects. And I'm just like, yeah. I'm going to be straight up, even though we run an Oilers podcast, like it, it's not something I dive my time into. And I, yeah. you know, we do. We just have no business being It's, like, yeah, yeah. it's oh, honestly, you know, the, this, the this guy of, was a huge miss. This was such a terrible decision. Like, we just don't have the info.
2: It's the hope that I don't have to look at giraffes and, and know who everybody is. That's kind of the past decade of being. A yeah. <laughs> I have know. no interest in doing that anymore. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, mean, especially what? when it's in like yeah. November.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Well, uh, we can, um, we can go, I can go on to free agency now, uh, which you guys have probably got plenty of uh, Opinions on and on um we signed tourists um as uh, so we've got that third line center now. um yeah. you know I think about I want to think over thing i would be interested to get your guys thought of it um it's that third line's gonna look quite different compared to what it was last year um thinking about you know Cheyenne's gone now whereas it you know it we're good you know like penalty killing or checking line um it's gonna look a bit different with um you know, with tourists and on third line. Um, I mean, we've also, uh, I don't just still uh, probably quick things up a bit. I mean, we've uh, got Jesse Puliarvi returning.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and uh, making his return. And, uh, and I, I mean, I think, yes, yeah, he, I'm extremely stoked to have him back. I know there's a lot of Oilers fans that have been very critical. And I, I, I think that's, um, I think there's reasons for that. Yeah, And I'm not blaming those fans, but I mean, I, I think there's a lot of, uh, what's the word? I'm completely blanking on it. There's a lot of responsibility and blame to be thrown at the Oilers' direction and Peter Shirelli regime of how yeah. they handled Yesi. And yeah. it, it seems like based off Yesi's interviews, he really seems like he has matured. His yeah. English is yeah. is not... You know, it's not perfect by any means, but for someone that's learning English as a second language, he's obviously made process or progress. Yeah. And I know, you know, watching his interviews, he may still not speak English flawlessly, but he seems to have a much better understanding of the questions that are asked. And I think that's the biggest thing is like when he was here, imagine how difficult it would have been where if you can't, you know, I'm, I I've recently moved to Quebec
0: yeah. and my,
1: and Kyle's out here as well. And now. My French is terrible. Yeah. And it's it's a you know disadvantage to have at work when people around you are speaking a different language that you might only be catching every third or fourth word. So I think that's gonna be a substantial thing for him. And, and it seems like he's really matured as well. So I, you know, I'm I'm very optimistic about Yassi. I don't think he's you know, my hopes are obviously high, but my expectations aren't that he's gonna come in and be a 40 goal scorer right away. But I think he's got all the tools, right? So, and and something where we need you know, Yamamoto's taken that step forward as a prospect. But after that, you look at, you look at our right wingers and I mean, Zach Cassian, who who I love, but he's not a bonafide top six guy. Like he, if he plays well with McDavid, great, but when he's not, he's more of a third line guy. Same thing with Archibald, love the way he plays chase on same way. Like he he chips in Mm. he's a solid bottom six score to have, but none of those guys are going to, they're not bonafide top six guys. And maybe yes, he isn't either, but but right now, he's the best shot at at turning into that. So I think if he can if he can gel, and I mean, I'm I'm really hoping he gets some top six time. I think you'll see quite a bit of time on the third line as well, likely with Kyle Turris. But you know, I I really hope he gets a legitimate shot,
0: yeah. and
1: and they groom him the right way to take over a top six position. Because if if he could turn into the winger for McDavid, I mean, that That'd would be, be such a huge help for this team. Yeah,
2: I mean, I have hopes for this season, um, obviously, we, especially with us making the playoffs again last year. And, and we expected ourselves to be a bubble team heading into last season and then pretty much blew past that. But I, I think a lot of that, too, had to do with our goaltending kind of achieving more than what they're quote-unquote worth. Uh, I still have questions about this year, even though I'm happy with what Holland has done during free agency. I mean, we lost Shehan which was... One of our better defensive forwards uh, in our bottom six. And realistically, our issue has been scoring in the bottom six. But overall, our team defense was the issue in playoffs, right? So Mm -hmm. I I, I have still concerns about this team, um, which I think will be shored up next off season. I think this year is still a middling year. I'm, I'm going to be surprised if we finish at the top of our division. I don't even think it happens Mm -hmm. to be honest. I think again, we're pushing for a bubble spot or in a lower playoff uh, position, but, uh, but yeah, I think I, I think this year is going to take a lot of internal growth, a lot of pushing, mm. a lot of teamwork, a lot of uh, locker room compatibility and chemistry, growing the lines out. Right, like our our top line, we we're still missing a win, winger for McDavid. Sorry, we yeah. have uh, like Cassian and Ennis basically slotted in there right now. Yeah. Um, and then like you said, Turris and Puliari, like that's that's our third line for the most part. And hopefully, Puliari develops and can be a winger for McDavid, but right yeah. now we're still depending on two players in the front and and and, and even more like the one line that is neiman mcdavid so i'm still seeing like what our success will be in the defensive aspect of our team seeing as i think that's the biggest hole right now but as well like there's a lot of help that this team needs and and with how compatible and comparable every team in the NHL is in this salary cap era, I'm, I mean, we could easily be another drop-off team. We've seen how uh, Colorado yeah. shifted from worst in the league to best in the league, right? Like, yeah. it, it, it's such a small gap in between what makes a good team and what makes a yeah. bad team, and a lot of that is chemistry and locker room compatibility. So with the new additions, I'm I'm hoping it works out.
0: Well, we, we, the, 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 sorry. Go ahead, Sam. No, no. I was just going to say about you know Cliff Bomb going down on defense. On defense, uh, I'm not yeah. so much. I'm not so much worried about that sort of uh, you know the power play as such, because I think we've got guys that could jump into you know, you know, to quarterback a power play with you know Bouchard, Nurse, uh, Barry, really? and and and. and well, yeah, and um, we've uh, we've just signed. You know, we Tyson. You know, Tyson Berry can do that. Uh, yeah, I'm not so much worried about. It. It's just the hard minutes uh, at the back, which um Which you know, we signed Tyson Berry, which I'm. You know, i right. I'll get I'll get my fault. I mean, with Tyson Berry, I, I'm. You know, I'm happy that we signed him, and he's. You know, he's definitely some guy that. You know, I think he had 56 points, 59 for Colorado. Um, previously, but I mean, the, even what they call a shit year for Leafs, he still did thirty nine points. So, and, now, yeah. and even when he's, I don't even know if he were on first unit there in Toronto, but uh, you know, so I'm happy that we've signed. Very the only concern, the the only concern, I'll, I'll give Marty his voice, is boys uh, is I hope it doesn't. It, it you know this, we've I mean we've we've just signed uh, Chris Russell to another one year. Yeah. Contract and um, you know so we Russell and uh sign Bar- Barrett Tyson Barrett. I hope it doesn't sort of I, we don't end up having a blockage there on defense and you know like because Evan Bouchard's support might be there um ready for next year and then Caleb you know we've got Caleb Jones and I. Well, the good want- thing
2: about both those contracts, right? It's like Barry is a one-year show-me-deal yeah. that he took a, a pay cut from what's rumored that other teams were offering him in order to get a chance to play with David. And and he'll gr- get a great opportunity. I, last year alone, right? I mean, he gets shit on because he's in Toronto media and Toronto fans. But yeah. he played with Babcock, and through that he played 22 games and got six points. After that with Sheldon Keith, he played 48 games and got 33 points. So he kept a 55-point-per-game pace throughout the season and would have been higher than that if he wouldn't have played with Babcock, who didn't utilize him properly. And yeah. he had a, a, a his career high, if I'm not mistaken, is 58 or 59 points. So he probably would have put up a career year this year. right? So we got him at a, at a discount, and I don't think he's holding anybody back because if we have Clefbaum out for the year, and Barry's here. We have a decision to make between who we want to highlight as our offensive defenseman potentially there, but Russell's extension at 1.125. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Right. One, yeah. One two five. Yeah. I mean, that's it. First off <clears> expendable <throat> to the extension or expansion draft. Sorry. And, and even if he is held on, that's not a terrible contract to have for a bottom six defenseman. And it's no. also not movable. He has no movement clause in that next year. So, I don't think either of those contracts are going to necessarily hold anybody back. It depends what we do with Barry um, at the end yeah. of this season, depending on what he does.
1: And uh, I mean, I, th- I think the biggest thing for that for me is as well as you know. So you look at you look at your defense right now, and it's Nurse, Jones, Russell, and then assuming Laguson gets re-signed on the on the left side, and then you have uh, Larson, Bear, Barry, and Bouchard on the right. So assuming Bear gets re-signed, which he definitely will. Um, so I, I think the big thing is, is like, I, I'm trying to remember who made this point. It was on TSN radio, but they were saying like, you, you more or less need to ha- plan to have four pairings with, with the amount of defensemen that get injured. And you, you look at that every year where like Cloughbombs missed substantial time, Larson's missed substantial time, Russell's missed time here and there, Nurse's missed time here and there, or actually, sorry, Nurse has been very healthy. But anyways, I, I think as much as people were penciling Bouchard in into the lineup day one of this upcoming year, which, which we were at times as well. It's clear that Holland looked at that and said, okay, with well, this kid's going to get his chance, but I'm not banking on Bouchard making that step right away. And so, I think it's good that and, we signed Barry think, to keep like, him down there. Yeah. yeah and I, so I think yeah. it's like, like, you know, he's going to start in the preseason. He'll be, he'll get some time. And I mean, maybe Bouchard comes in and he's the next Ethan bear and he he steals that spot. And then all of a sudden now it's Larson's expendable. Or I mean, I think we all expect Bear to stay where he's at or continue to get better, but that's not a given. Maybe Bear takes a step back. I mean, I don't see it, but prospect development is never linear. And you know, we've seen it time and time again where a guy is a good showing, and then all of a sudden he's he's not a great defender. So um I and and when you factor in the injuries, I mean, I, I think. I get your point, Sam, and I, I've had that thought myself. Of like, well, like you know, you're, you you went from a log jam, and then bomb gets hurt, and Benning leaves, and now you've kind of added more pieces just to have the same log jam. But I think when you factor in injuries, I think Bouchard and Lagesson likely are both going to still see, you know, a good chunk of games. It's tough to say depending on how how many games they actually play this year in the NHL, but. I mean, I, I think you're going to see Bouchard in the NHL at, for extended times this year when injuries hit. The big concern is not necessarily with, with
0: Bouchard, because, I mean I, I mean, I initially had him down to, you know, to start him up on perhaps on a third pair and, you know, get him used to NHL because it would be first season at More NHL. More or
1: less replacing it, Benning.
0: The big concern, John, you know, Kyle, is, is Caleb Jones, because the last thing I would want is for expat is... For him to potentially be exposed in that expansion draft, because I do think Jones has definitely got got talent, um, and I, I, I you know, I, I don't want him to. I want, and I think he could step up, Jones. I, I think and, so too. Like, uh, so, and I don't want I proper. Really, don't want him some uh, fucking Seattle to fucking get him.
2: Um, I mean, I mean, I, I pretty. Much and I think unless the league is going to let Clefbaum slide if he is out for the majority of the year, I'm, I can almost say that Jones is going to be gone to Seattle.
1: Well, but here's the thing too: what What if Clefbaum is out for the year and his That's, his health is in question? Do they maybe leave Clefbaum exposed?
2: But, but no, no, John. I'm sorry, I didn't. I didn't properly phrase that. Uh, we talked about, like, in our podcast, right, uh, there is a rule in the NHL where if a player hasn't played, John, correct me if I'm wrong, it's 60, 62, plus. Yeah, 60 yeah. plus games and in an 82-game season. No, sorry, that, it's, it's, they've
1: missed the last
2: 60-plus games. Sorry, missed, sorry, oh my God, oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Missed 60-plus no, games in the last 80-game season, 82-game season, um, that they are automatically not exp- uh, not put into the expansion draft so just just to clarify i sorry to
1: interrupt again um you're better that is also up to the nhl's decision like it's a case-by-case basis it doesn't necessarily mean that if you miss 60 games you're definitively exempt it's a case-by-case basis because they have to it has to be potentially career ending so which we've heard those rumors about Clef mom already that maybe he is considering retirement if he's not able to come back but that's the that's the big which, question mark for the expansion. Which I would
2: it. assume, if there's any surgery that takes place, I would think that that is probably going to fall under that. And as long as the NHL does some sort of seventy-five uh, percent rule, where that sixty games taken to eighty-two is put into consideration, if there is a shortened season next year,
0: right? Um,
2: is there then, any way? Then yeah, we could protect Jones.
0: Is there any way or any we could you know you could expose someone like Larson or so or some or anybody else
1: in well, any your options so right now so you've got the option of either protecting seven forwards three defense or four forwards and four defense so i think the thing is is like Larson would already be exposed because you're protecting nurse player. bear yeah Cluff, Baum, and jones are the four you want to protect so you either only yeah. protect four forwards and Larson is a UFA who would be exposed yeah. or or you protect 7 and then that maybe exposes Clefbaum or Jones or or yeah. something like that. I mean it's it's tough and I mean that was a big reason why Chris Russell was was signed already, right? Like they need to meet those exposure requirements, but Yeah. Um I I think I I've got the same fear you do, Sam. I be
0: real, I'd be real sad to lose Jones. Me, me oh, really? too, and I I
1: think he's you know, I I actually Um, I'm blanking on her name, but Caleb Jones's mother is, is very active on Twitter and and she's an absolute doll. But um, I, somebody had uh, tweeted out like, who do you think your, your team is going to lose in the expansion draft? This was like months ago. And I said, Caleb Jones, smiley or uh, like sad face or whatever. And then, and then she replied and I was, I can't remember exactly what she said, but it was like a sad face and said no or something like that. So, I mean, I think that's something that's, Obviously, she doesn't want her son to leave, but I think that's a big thing in the Oilers fan base in general where that's a legitimate fear, especially like Caleb Jones looked really good last year in the 30-so games or, or whatever he played. And I, I think he's got tools to, you know, I don't I don't expect him to be a number one defenseman, but man, I, I mean, I watched that kid play and he gets better game after game. And I mean, I, I put him in a similar class as, as Bear, with just being a little bit less proven, where I mean, the guy's got the tools to be a top four D man.
0: Yeah, I, I, yeah, it's just one of those. It's just, yeah, I know it's biggest uh, one of the biggest fears I've got. Um, I'm
1: well, with
0: yeah, well, I mean, I'll get I'll I'm, I'm gonna have, I'm, I'm gonna mention this this again we because I I was talking to Kevin about it. Well, apparently I will listen to you know Kipper and Nick Kiprius and um, Doug McLean's podcast because I could not get obviously I can't get TSN and all coverage on deadline on free agency over over there so I would just listen to their podcast and then it flashed on screen. it flashed on it flat it, it, it was some fake tweet and another saying Oilers have signed Mike Hoffman to a six million dollar contract yeah <laughs> 42. and then I'm fit and then and then they, you know they spend best part of 10 15 minutes bashing oilers saying how stupid and incompetent we all are, yeah. And everything then it all got, then it all and then it got announced, oh, it's fate. It was, it was, oh, it, was Dave, uh,
1: it was Dave Panyota's Twitter. There's a guy that yeah. I i fell for it as well, and luckily I didn't retweet it or anything, Sam. But there's a, I'm trying to remember, it's like, I think his Twitter handle is like his name is Dave Panyota, but then his is at is the fourth period or something like that. Yeah. And this other guy has the same profile picture. Dave Paniota has the name, but it's like fourth period. And there's no like I in the period or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So yeah, that's, but I think Calgary sports radio also <laughs> did the same thing. They were, that got reported because it got retweeted all around. And then they were saying they were ripping on the Oilers for like 30 minutes
0: yeah. about how
1: it was a terrible signing. And they, it was like, signing Mike Hoffman for six years, like it's such a mistake or whatever. They're screwing their team. And then it turned out to be fake, which I found hilarious. <laughs> well,
0: well yeah, but I mean I I mean it's one thing for like uh, you know normal people on Twitter to fall for that and make mistakes because I mean we've all had, you know, be you know we fake tweets or what have you but you know you've got Nick, Nick and McLean, you know, these people you know, these two <laughs> these two call themselves NHL insiders. Yeah. And you know, they they brought, you know, bag about all the sources that they've got and all these agents yeah. to go to off go off based off of a fake tweet and not even yeah. double check it. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking
1: what the fucking hell are you doing? <laughs> I think that just that that points more to the craziness of free agent frenzy, right? Where like there's so much news coming out. I mean, crap, that that day I was at work and every spare moment I had, I was just updating Twitter. Listening to Sirius Radio, trying to just get as much news as I can. Right, so it's yeah, it's a crazy day, but I do agree. I mean, I think if you're a you're an analyst and you're paid as an analyst, I, I think there's a higher expectation that you're 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 vetting the information you're getting. Right, you you might want to double check that instead of just seeing a tweet and going, oh yeah, this is the news.
0: Uh, I, I just think <laughs> I I, I, I
1: think get I didn't get that.
0: Um we all that. Um watch for thoughts for here on Nuge uh, new on Jack new extension. Um I'll 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 field my thoughts on it. Um anything anything within six mil category for, you know, seven years, um is, is okay by me. I think seven would probably be a bit overboard. Um I'd like to keep it we in at least probably six point five or we in six range would suit me for and Hopkins.
1: Yeah, well, I I think the big thing with Nuge um, for me is, um, you know, so he's 27 right now. uh, So he'll be 28 when his next contract kicks in. And for me, I think there's two things that come out. One is, I think his play style, assuming he can stay healthy, does transition that he's going to have some longevity. He's the guy that doesn't depend a ton on his straightaway speed, yeah. um, I question if the hands take a step back. Cause I do think that's one of Nugent's strengths of his hands.
0: Yeah, possible. you know, get a
1: get a little bit harder. It's going to be more difficult for him to have an impact. But I think the other big thing for me, Sam, is is Ryan Nugent Hopkins a guy we can afford to to lose right now? No, yeah, we don't. And and that's so I'll up that number in in my personal opinion. Where if the number is under seven million dollars, I'd I'd be fine with Nug yeah. getting signed. I think. If you can get him in that six and a half million range, or if you can get him for under seven, and especially if you can get that term down a little bit, where maybe you only sign him for five or six years, yeah, I think that's an out—you know—a home run of a contract. Um, I, I think Nuge, although never turned into that superstar of a first overall pick, mm. he, he's definitely a jack of all trades, and there's really nothing he does poorly. He's a guy that you can move up and down your lineup. Play on the wing, play at center. He can penalty kill. He can be on your power play. Like he's just a guy. When you when you talk about that we don't have enough talent at, in our forward core, mm-hmm. I just don't think he's a guy that can afford to lose. So I mean, it's probably something where if his numbers at seven and a half, eight million dollars right now, and they don't think that they can get that number down. I mean, the unfortunate thing is is you probably got to look at trading him. In my opinion. The- the- <sighs>
2: Well, there's always there's a question of that too, right, John? I mean, he was playing on the wing with Drysaitl and Yamamoto, and I mean, Nuge has a career high of 69 points. I think that's easily beatable playing on that line. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, I mean, if he puts up a career year this year at 27 years old, who's not to say that he can demand seven and a half, eight million plus?
1: Especially when so many teams are looking for centers, like that's such a valuable position. And he's
2: also like an undervalued center on a team that is stacked with them. Yeah, right now, like he's fitting in at a third center role that we don't even want him there. We're putting him on the wing because that's where we need the help at, and he's versatile. So yeah, he's, good he's to be definitely taking a team-friendly contract It's six and a half million. And if anybody in the NHL doesn't think so, they're fucking stupid. He's worth <laughs> way more. With a
0: with, with a flat cap, though, it, I think it yeah needs to be team needs to be friendly because the, the eye of the the eye of the cap is it gives us less room.
2: Agreed, but I mean Josh Anderson is signing a six-seven year deal. Oh, don't yeah don't.
0: Don't get we. I can. You want to talk com- about
2: comparables, well, I, right? It doesn't matter. I, I can, what this... Yeah,
0: listen. I can go and I can go all there on on, on 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 what Montreal's done, but I don't know if we've got time to do that. <laughs> I don't know if we've got time to do that. We are taking more of your time up because I can fucking go on a right rant to yeah, that. Yeah, about what about what, what Canadian? I thought that there was go. going to
2: be a lot more savings in this um, this situation with the cap being uh, stuck for the next three years, well, and they're really. It hasn't
1: the, been the sought after guys are still getting paid and
2: yeah.
1: it's the middle and the lower guys that are getting screwed from this. Right. Like when, and I mean, it makes sense. It's, it's supply and demand at the end of the day. Like it's a simple system where if you're sought after and you're a free agent, like you're still going to get paid, you're still going to get the money. I mean, like, like you I, could look I, it's, at Taylor Hall, but I mean, Taylor Hall sense. also has red flags around him there where there obviously wasn't the interest. Same thing with Tyson Berry. Like I remember chicklets last year, Saying how Tyson Barry was going to get some eight and a half million dollar contract, but I mean, not. I don't. I I didn't agree with them then. And then you had the flat cap, and there's red flags.
0: Quick thoughts on bear, on bear contract. Would you bridge him or would you go to? I I
1: think I mean, you, you really have, have to. Have no bridge... Choice, you know, yeah, at this point. I, I think just the cap is is it's going to be and the, and the unfortunate thing is Bears, he's probably earned more money, but he has no bargaining power, so. Yeah. I mean, he has no arbitration rights. He's a restricted free agent. I mean, I, I, I'm thinking you probably get him. He's probably going to, he might not even get a full bridge as in two or three years. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see him sign a one year deal for 1.5 million. And I'd actually be happy to say, to get hey, that. when we have more cap next yeah. summer, then yeah. we'll look at giving you a th- another because two or three year bridge deal. We've got like 26
0: million. We've got 26 million in cap space uh, at end of the, uh, the end of next season uh in 2022 so
1: yeah Yeah. you've got a piece in our nuge yamamoto and bear depending on if he's up yeah
2: yeah and i mean i i would preferably like to sign bear to a longer term deal even now i know it's a risk but that kid shows so much promise and and just psychologically with a guy what he put in the previous offseason and, and the change that he's seen to his game and the opportunity he got and and what the NHL put behind him, giving him a jersey written in Cree, being the first player getting a jersey of a different name, like even though it was a Which practice jersey, one-off jersey. Yeah, like I mean the kid has obviously got a following, got a push, sees the success from the work that he's put in. I have no doubt in my mind. That bear is going to be a top four defenseman for this team for the following decade, right now, right? So I'd be happy to sign him to a long-term deal. With the cap right now, it's unfortunately not possible. So I'd be happy with a one-term or sorry, one-year deal with next year following up being a longer term. uh, uh, Like you, you made it uh, a deal here, but uh, but as of right now, we're kind of waiting with the cap situation with uh, Kleffbaum being out.
0: Because uh, we have for, to be for sure oh,
2: oh. if he's if he's out for the season mm. or not. Sorry.
0: Yeah. yeah, quick for quick, you know, one of the, you know, everyone, all Oilers fans were all praising, you know, free agency and signings were made. Um until this one it uh Twitter, um, Mike Smith coming back. So we've got Smith and Coskin, and we seem to have persisted um, you know, going gone with those two uh again next season. So signing of Mike Smith, what's your thoughts, guys?
2: I mean, I think uh, that there was obviously a frenzy for goaltenders this off season, and uh, and and even though we signed Smith a little bit before a lot of these signings went through, it was it was after the Oilers knew that Markstrom was out of contention for for being a part of yeah. the Oilers roster this season. And, I'm glad and we dodged that
0: bullet. I'm glad we dodged that bullet. That won't look good in a few years. That marks that some of them contracts that were under at.
2: I mean, we'll wait and see. I mean, I think Markstrom's a a great goaltender and, and although he, yes, is, you know, at the age of 30 plus now, like I, I think that deal is fair for what his value he puts into a team. Um, it just depends of course, like any goaltender, the team you put in front of them, um, which I, I have issues about the Oilers in the past already. We've seen good goaltenders come through here and get shit on because they don't have the defensive responsibility from the team in front of them. But, uh, uh, but as for Mike Smith itself, I think that there's probably savings we could have got on that contract. But, mm-hmm. uh, but I mean, realistically, we have interim goalies right now. We don't have a real number yeah. one. We're still uh, looking for that. So to put in season. another one-year deal mm-hmm. at $1.5 million and push us until next year's cap again there's an opportunity there next year that we're going to have the cap space and the freedom to sign a goaltender of the future we have Koskinen on a deal that I mean if he's playing starting caliber goaltending next year off season, there's a deal for him so I don't hate it I'm I'm unhappy that no change was was made but uh I I don't know. I mean, the the other comparable that went for the same value of him is is uh, Henrik lundquist went for one and a half million. And there's uh, there's one other one out there too that I'm forgetting off the top of my head. I'm sorry. And Lundqvist much...
1: was wanting to go to Washington. Like he wouldn't have come. Yeah, Hamilton he wouldn't have signed for a million and a half. I mean,
2: would I take lundquist over Mike Smith? Like a yeah. thousand fucking percent. Yeah. Was yeah. it happening for a million and a half? Obviously not. So yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm kind of taking it how it is. There's a lot more issues with this team than just goaltending, and I think that you know we've been seeing that for a decade. And hopefully, we'll figure that out throughout the team this year and next year. We can improve our our goaltending yeah. and then become a true contender.
1: And I mean, it? I think the other
2: thing is like you've got Mike or Miko Koskinen, so he's got two years
1: left. So you get through this year, you've you've created, you know, you've you've bought yourself some time. It's not the best tandem that you could create. But Koskinen's going to be even more movable if they decide to upgrade at the position, and I think Kyle hit it right on the head where it's like this: this team had bigger problems in goaltending. Am yeah. I a huge fan of or fan of Mike Smith? No, I, I think Miko is a capable goaltender. Um, the unfortunate thing about Miko is I don't, I don't think he's able to play yeah. 55, 60 plus games. Yeah. He's right in that 50 to 55 mark. Yeah, That's kind of the max he's able to play as far as workload if based off his history. So I think he's a capable goalie, but you need another guy back there and uh, you know, goaltending for the Oilers is going to be another question mark this year, but it was also a question mark going into last season with the same tandem and they tried to water mm-hmm. and played well enough for our team to find success. So, you know, if, if that doesn't happen this year, that's going to be a huge problem. And, and, to, um, Holland is going to have to address that yeah. via the trade market or something else. But at, at this point, I mean, he's going with the guys that he's that, that have proven that they can do it as of last year. And I mean, the only other, it was reported that the only other guy they were looking at was Ryan Miller. It was Ryan Miller, or Mike Smith. And I mean, they, they, the report was that they went with the guy they, they knew and I don't have any problems with that, with that decision. I mean, I think the only thing that I would say about Holland's decision to sign Mike Smith is I wonder what the interest around the league was like. Like, did he have other contracts on the table as well as why don't, if that's not the case, why don't you wait another two weeks, continue to explore the trade market for a goaltender. But I also don't have the inside knowledge. So I mean, very possibly that the trade market had dried up reports out of Arizona is that for Kemper, they want a first round pick and a prospect. I mean, I don't want the Oilers to give that up for Kemper. So it's one of those things that I mean. I think it's just in the flat cap era. This is what Kendall Holland was left with.
0: Right. Well, I'll, I'll fit work with it. Right. There's two. There's two things I'll try and get in. I'll try and get in quick. Right. One. One was a trade proposal from uh, Dustin Nielsen. I think on his oil stream pod It's just started. Um, uh, first round. Uh, Patrick Liney for Adam Larson. Carly Amamoto in a 2021
1: first-round pick. <laughs> uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I think I, I won. I don't even know if Winnipeg takes that deal. Yeah. Um, but uh, just to be clear, I mean, I think that's a lot of value going back. I don't – as exciting as the thought of having Line a on our team, I don't know what – problems that solves especially when you've got a guy that with Yamamoto where he's cost controlled for another year and then he's still an RFA and he's going to cost less than Patrick line yeah so I mean I I think a lot of Oilers fans like the the flashy trade with the blockbuster superstar in I I just don't see it to be honest and I mean that's a that's a lot of value giving up and line is worth it I just don't know if it's the right move for this team yeah
2: I mean it's the same argument we were talking about um earlier this off season where there was uh, talk of who was who was uh Bouchard? What what defensive trade was there blanking off the top of my head, John? I don't know if you remember it, but but there was there was talk of moving Bouchard for someone and it's like it as an Oilers fan, we've spent a decade wishing that we had homegrown prospects and now is not the time to move them. They're finally starting to show who they are. Internally, we have a lot more, um, you know, wish and promise of these players. And yes, we see them as more as they are. But I I mean, I don't want to skip on basically any player that we have on our farm right now. And I'm not ready to trade any of them. I see way too much promise in Yamamoto and Bouchard and Broberg, even in fucking RV right now. So, I yeah. mean... Like,
1: I, I, I think the thing is, too, is like, you can, you can build a package, not necessarily for Patrick Laine, but it's anybody. all about timing yeah, yeah. when it comes to the trade market. Like, yeah. well, I look at Sam Now, like Sam Marukov's a guy that I look at the left-hand side of RD, you've got Nurse is still only 25. You've got Caleb Jones, who's young, and you have Broberg, as well as Laguson might be a, a, a third-pairing guy. Sam is a guy that it's like, if they're looking at building a package of prospects to get an impact player, those are the prospects I, from a fan perspective that I think they should look at moving. I mean, I'm 100% with Kyle, unless it's a home run deal. I, I think it's a mistake to trade Yamamoto, Bouchard, or Broberg. And when- I, I think when you look at the history of trading, you know, blue chip or, or A- minus prospects, when, when you trade those prospects, typically you lose that trade in the long run.
2: Yeah. To me, like, I have the same issue with trading a first-round pick, right? Like, it always sounds scary when you're like, we traded our first for something. Unless we're in an absolute position where we're a contender, and that player that we just added is absolutely winning us a cup.
1: They're going to push you like, over the top. Exactly.
2: That is the only time I'm legit- comfortable with moving a first. Yeah. And I have the same expectation with players that we've seen develop. Yeah, Am I comfortable moving Samarukov? Yeah. Yes, because they don't put him in that same vein as a Yamamoto or a Bouchard or a Broberg. But never in a million years, unless am I getting back somebody that is absolutely altering the defense of this team or a somebody that is here on a long-term reasonable contract for McDavid to be a winger, you know, like – I'm not betting our future anymore. I don't want to go through another rebuild. I want our players that we have rebuilt with to start coming through this team.
0: Right. Yeah, right. Can I, right. Can I, can I just get through? As you're both there in Quebec, can I just get in? Squeeze in one. one For sure. more thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Just to we'll finish on this because I know you're both. Uh, you have both been you know, doing episodes all day, and you've both yeah. got time <laughs> I know, and all, that's all that. Good. And I, I'll I'll squeeze, cause I've literally I've got a like, cause we've you both been quick. Um, what the fucking hell is going on in Montreal? Um, cause they've, they've they've got Pete Petrick, they've got Edmondson, then Toffoli, and then they've signed Josh Anderson seven years at five million, and then they have got Gallagher six point five. Uh, I mean, they've overpaid on I mean, it. I mean, what have they got? Fucking Chirelli advising them as well, and then they've got, <laughs> Alan, and then they've got, and then they've got Allen, uh, uh, so forth. So they're playing four for, so it's fourteen million on goaltending. And they gave him a two-year extension. We haven't been fucking playing, and then, and you look at their, you know, their top six. They're all fucking wingers, and then, but you know, so that's occupying all the cap space. So what? So when it comes to uh, you having to pay Cock, Emily, Emmy and Suzuki, all the fucking cap space is going to be up. So essentially, Matt, it, what it's but you know Mark Bergerman's pissing money
2: away to save his arse in the short term. Uh, okay, well, well, first off, like Mark Bergerman, I, I, I'm going to give him like a C plus as a GM. Like, he is so up and down inconsistent, so I'll agree with you on that. I think that the team that is going to be put out for Montreal this season is going to be the best that they've seen in a decade. I do think that they've shored up a lot of inconsistencies with that team, and they have a lot of speed. Like, I've watched them play live uh, over the last few years, I want to say probably 50 times now. Like... That team does have talent, and I would compare it to a first-year Vegas team, where it's a bunch of like players that are trying to make a name for themselves with an all-star goalie in net. Yeah, and I I agree with you. Like the Josh Anderson move, I think was stupid. I think that Domi needed to be moved. There was there was somebody that needed to be moved with Domi and Tatar there um guitar is a ufa coming up this season too they so absolutely there lost was, that
0: trade they it, it, lost that trade in. you know Domi. i think had oh, 2.5 sure. 2. Oh, 2.
2: i don't even think that's a question and, now anderson, and lost, played a game
0: anderson for got 1.6 per 60 it's yeah. difference between a first and a third line It. it, yeah. it and they were all old shark uh, old sharks were out like uh, saying oh Domi yourself." So- you know, I, mean, I, I know not. it's
2: as I know it's not as drastic, but I'd almost compare that trade as far as the fan base is concerned. Uh, as as much as the Suban trade hurt that yeah. fan yeah. base, like Domi so. was such a star for that fan base and it contributed so much for the team. I mean, and, and sorry, not team, just uh, just like. Uh, um sorry, fan base around it. Like oh. he was out consistently in the public and he's he's done so much for the LGBT LGBTQ, sorry, mm-hmm. uh community. Um diabetes, he's consistently donated to. Like he's he's that same role model that Subban was to a lot of people in Montreal mm-hmm. here. So to to see him leave as a face of the franchise yeah. definitely hurts. And they lost that trade already. I don't think Josh Anderson's a bad player by any means. I think he is somebody that the Canadians need. He's being injured a lot. John, What's that? Sorry.
0: He's been injured. He's been in his ad injuries. For uh, sure. I but say. I mean,
2: that comes with the way that he plays too. Right. And yeah. and that style of play is something that the Canadians need. So I understand them looking for a player like that. I think the price is just insane. That's yeah. all. But, yeah, that's uh, and especially giving him a contract, the value and extension of what it was. But uh, again, This team right now with Bergevin, like you said, he's investing in short-term gain, and I am 100% behind that. He has Jeff Molson, who, I mean, I don't even want to get into it, but is just (laughs) something else. He has no idea how to be an owner of a, you know, original six team with... Mm. realistically a billion dollars why, a year coming in i mean there's they go
0: for a rebuild in montreal
2: what they've
0: got a well, loyal fan base there but i they mean it's rebuild. because They're of the go, lunatic
2: french fans i mean let's be real mark bergevin should never be a fucking gm of a montreal canadians club there's no reason that there's consistently french canadians that have to be management of that team it fucks no, that no. team over you're picking from a percentage of five percent. Why
0: does it matter if the French Canadian? As long as they, they need to, they, you know, they want a winning team, right? I couldn't give a fuck if it's French, whether they're French Canadian well, or
2: where they're from. It's well, it's, that's the thing. It, it's unfortunately like in Montreal, you're dealing I, with sorry, Carl, two I think, I, super I negative. of Canadians
1: sorry. fans wouldn't care either.
2: I think a lot of Canadians fans would. I think you're super wrong on that.
1: No, I think I like. Sorry, there's definitely a percentage that are very like traditional quebecois that would but i think there's a lot of fans that if you brought in a good coach and or a good gm that did not speak french or was not french canadian i I think there's a good percentage of them that wouldn't
2: care i I think think it's more of the the result of it yes if you showed them the result of that happening then yes 100 percent they'd be behind you but it originally happening they'd be calling for the axe to someone's head for sure, the, I mean, you live in Montreal now. You yeah. know the way it is. Like, no, for sure, I, and it's but... not even it's not even hate on them. Like, there's a way of Quebec culture, and the, the Montreal Canadiens are the historic franchise that has always been, you know, a a French Quebec historic franchise. It's never left. It's always been the same. Well, logo.
0: not Nordiques though. Years ago, Nordiques used that French part, and it was more Montreal. But it was
2: more it was more that they're infringing on the Canadians. Like there was. There was Nordiques fans, but it was the Canadians that were always the, the one and true. Like yeah. it's, it's always been the Canadians are Canada's team. As much as Toronto wants to take it, it it is Montreal.
0: Are they going to sign Keviemi and Suzuki? The census? They, they they need census in Montreal. Yeah, they, I know. I yeah. And I, I, I to, to me, it's one heck of a fucking game. It, I, they really do need they need to build it needs to be built right uh, That i mean what did he? you know i couldn't give a fuck if was the G if it's for french GM or the, or did they want to win a stanley cup in years to come you know it's it, i think it's real fucking selfishness to take all your caps to piss it all away well, like that i, I think
1: they'll just, be able to sign like they'll they'll make it work to sign their young players but it's like, what are you gonna give up to do that? Because I mean I'm just looking quick yeah. at their cap friendly. So like yeah. next summer, Kakanami's up, but Tatar comes off the books at 4.8, uh, Deneau at three, you'd have to resign him. Uh Joel Armia at 2.6, Lutkinen at 2.4, Wheel at 1.4. I mean, those aren't huge, huge contracts, but there is money coming off the books. So I, I mean, I think that the tough part with Montreal, and I, I put them in a similar like I look at their just the roster. <laughs> Similarly with like Minnesota of the last five years where that team is needed to rebuild, but they opted to retool. And I think part of that is because you have so many aging players or not, not so many, but you have the two big ones in Shea Weber and Carey Price where they're Mm -hmm. locked up for a ton of time term and they don't really have a ton of kicks at the can, especially with Weber. I mean, he's 35, he's still an elite defenseman, but are we really gonna, you know, past one or two more years, that contract is going to start looking really bad. You so know, the, the million tough million. part is like, how do you rebuild, right? It's the same same situation with Minnesota where I've been screaming at them to rebuild for the last five years, but you've got that Parise and the and the Suter contract and both those guys are still impact players, but they're not, especially Parise is not quite, quite worth the term and money he has left, but it's tough. It's like, what do you, it's hard to rebuild when you can't really move those guys
0: Come sure. to be controversial and go and, go and eat, eat off on price and eat off
1: on Weber contracts. And just. Oh, man. I think there'd be riots in the street if you traded Kerry Price with half retained.
2: Oh, there's there <laughs> is we'll get absolutely into the no is chance that that, that yeah. happens. Yeah. Absolutely no <laughs> chance. I mean, going back to even it just the Josh the Anderson signing, I think fucking moving Andrew Shaw was stupid because you basically re signed the same player for yeah. $2.5 million dollars more.
0: Yeah.
2: It makes it no sevens. sense to me. And yeah. for for that shaw trade, you got back a second and a seventh, which sorry, I just want to say something because it's fucking hilarious. The Canadians drafted in the forty-seventh pick with their own second, Luke Tuck, and then forty eighth with that shaw trade, Jan Masak. So they drafted Tuck Massack back How to nice. back. <laughs> Just yes. let that be known. It's fucking hilarious. Anyways, um, yeah I, yeah, I really, like, I don't understand consistently what they're trying to do. Like John said, they're a middling team that is on the peak of being a playoff team, and, and you can see it in their record. They're one season up, one season down, one season up, one season down, mm-hmm. and it just, they should do what the New York Rangers did to their fan base or... Yeah. Yeah, well, there was a, there was another team this past week too. Again, I'm blanking. I'm sorry. That came. I out. Mean, Chicago. Minnesota. Chicago. Minnesota.
0: Well, they've got an owner that won't let them do it, the, the. You know, in Leopold, uh, I think with Montreal, you know, and you know, because some teams worry about whether the fan base all for car, uh, and would be down if they did. You know, like Florida's already. Nah, whether whether the the fan base makes- tank, but Montreal fans are turn they turn out, and I think they just. I think it's going to have to come to that point where they're going to have to say. You know we're gonna have to really we're gonna have to tank for a few years. That's the thing. Like it makes
2: it makes more sense to me if you're not doing it when you're a team that is in Florida or in Arizona where you don't want to come out to your fan base and say we're rebuilding because you're you're depending on your fan base to give you some sort of money back by showing up to those games. So if you tell them hey for five years we're gonna be shit, yeah, you might not have a team in five years because you've made no money whereas if you're a team like New York Rangers or Chicago who have come out and said we're doing a rebuild like why haven't the Habs done it you have the fan base that is going to consistently be there you have even just the the money from straight up jersey sales like you're yeah. going to be fine. I
0: would t- teams do rebuild. I mean Detroit's rebuilding, you know, Chicago's rebuilding. Uh you know, we've been fucking rebuilding for the past 20 years. <laughs> yeah, in in Edmonton and you know, loads of you know Toronto was shit for a while. Uh, you know, Leeds was shit for a while. So the the teams do it, but eventually has, they have to do it. But I don't, I I, I don't know. I don't know what I, I don't. I
1: mean, based off with the system currently in place, there's no benefit to being a middling team. And I know that like any non-Oilers fans that are listening to us are probably like, oh, of course, Oilers fans. You know, saying you got a tank, but that's not necessarily what I'm saying. But it's like. You look at a team when you're in the like 12 to 18 range, really what you're hoping for is to get slightly better year over year and then go on a Cinderella run because you're never going to be bad enough unless you draft and really hit on some picks. Yeah, well, You're we'll never going to take that step forward we'll just to be a really contender. Well, exactly, or, or you rebuild and you're bad for three to five years. And if you do it properly, not like the Oilers did for the first yeah. however many years of the rebuild – if you do it properly, you can have a quick return re- rebuild. And I mean, look at the Rangers; they they obviously got some luck, like some good things yeah. happened oh, to they've, that franchise. They've had a lot of fucking out. They won the Lafreniere draft. Like there, there's a lot of luck there. And and the Oilers had some a huge amount of luck too with a lot of race. Yeah. But I I think the one thing I will say is when I'm I'm just looking at this this Montreal roster right now. Do you? And I'll answer the question first. And you guys might think I'm totally out to lunch, and that's fair. Do you think this team is incapable of winning a Stanley Cup with their current roster? And my answer is no. Like, they're not a definitive contender, but they, I think they're able to go on a run.
2: I think we're a playoff team, and as soon as you're in playoffs, anything can happen. And you you have – no, I'm I'm talking about Montreal, too. like.
1: Oh, Montreal? Yeah,
2: same thing. You've got Carey Price. You've got a number
1: one defenseman in Shea Weber for another couple years. Jeff Petrie is a suitable fucking top four defenseman. Joel Edmondson is a suitable top four defenseman. And yeah, you don't have those bonafide centers, but you do have Suzuki and Kakanemi coming up. I mean, if those guys can take steps forward and fill that void, they've got a fairly deep team, and Um, if they play the right way and they get the goaltending, they could go on a run. So...
2: I'd be surprised if mean, they're on a playoff the... team next year, and if Carey Price doesn't show up in the playoffs, playoffs like he did this year, like I'll be shocked. I, I like yeah. Montreal easily to me as a second round team next year is what I'm expecting.
0: I'll be surprised. I, I, for me, if they're not a playoff team, I think it, I think question I think questions seriously do need to be fucking asked. And because yeah. it, it seems to me like they're more like the like they're going for they're going for it and they're going all in. So if it if it falls flat on its face next year, uh, next season, then I think questions are going to, you know, it's going to be turned up a bit in Montreal, and why sure. why they fucking not? Because they have put enough, they've they've they, you know they've sat, you know with Toffoli and and, and you know play and you know we, that they're going to it's going there's going to be questions as why they why they will why they not? Yeah. So absolutely. It, so. You know they they just put more pressure on. I'll to be honest with you, I think probably Ber- Bergevin's probably only got one. Probably knows that he's probably only got one one more year to fix this. Or, yeah. So it's more it's more trying to go for it and save. He, it.
1: He's already he's been on the hot seat for two years now. Like there's yeah.
0: definitely like
1: there's substantial pressure on him to create a uh, a playoff contender year in and year out.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's there's other team, there's other teams that um I could uh, I could mention I could mention. I mean, I've got through i I've got through a pod, I've got through an episode. Uh, you guys, we are talking about Vegas, so which is an achievement considering because that's yeah. the team
1: I could. But um, but yeah, I've already uh, done my Vegas ranting for the day, Sam. If you want to listen to yeah the episode on Monday, I go off a little bit of I'm pissed at them. <laughs>
0: oh god i'll 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 listen to that one because uh i've i can I, I can definitely um i can definitely i can definitely go on that uh, i, I I'd, I'd i'd go on it but i know you guys um have, you know a bit strapped for time and i don't want to take any more of your time up.
2: no <laughs> but, unfortunately
0: yeah yeah i know So um we'll pro- you, you i'll probably i'll probably uh i'll probably have to save that one for uh next time i uh have you both on because uh I mean, there's plenty, plenty of time. It's not any. I don't know when, when hockey season starts. So if I can, hopefully, I, you know, if we can get, uh, if you want to come back on, um, you know, some some time more for season, I'd love to have you both back on, and we can continue where we left off.
1: Well, there's always <laughs> rumors to talk about yeah so we'd love to absolutely yeah yeah there's always that's a good thing about being in a a hockey market like edmonton even even when nothing's happening stuff is happening you should have you should have had me
0: on your episode earlier talking about vegas because i've got i've got plenty to say keep that in (laughs)
1: mind for next time yeah you and i can go on a fucking vegas rant
0: man i just can't believe what they're doing well well hopefully well um oh hopefully um we'll uh I'll i'll have to uh well, I have to sort it out. I we'll have to sort something out, and uh, I have to make an uh, make an appearance on yours.
1: Oh <laughs> yeah, get the get the British perspective. Love it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because uh, I'll 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 unload next time. Trust me. On the, the, <laughs> Sounds good. <to> anyway, <laughs> anyway, anyway, guys, I really appreciate you coming on uh, for. And uh, I think we have squeezed quite a lot into uh, this one hour and five six minutes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so um, I so. Right. So, uh, so appreciate you all coming on, and uh, thanks for coming on, and uh, I look to uh, uh, let's let's do it again soon, you two. A- and uh, absolutely. absolutely, thanks for having us, yeah. Sam. It's, uh, yeah. it's always a pleasure. Yeah, and uh, thanks, thanks for listening, everyone, and I'll catch you soon. All right, all right. All right.